Minnesota Home Ownership Center's seventh episode of the Welcome Home Podcast. My name is Bill Gray, and today we are going to talk about the Home Ownership Center's impact on the community during 2021. So crunching the yearly data is something I always look forward to, I'm always hoping, of course, that it shows movement against our goals and our mission towards reducing the racial homeownership gap. We'll also be talking uh, today about our efforts to change things at the policy level, um, chiefly through a legislative proposal to create a first-generation homebuyer's down payment assistance. More on that shortly. Uh, but joining me today are two colleagues on staff at the Minnesota Home Ownership Center, so this is kind of fun. First, our president, Julie Guggen, and, uh, and then our strategic initiatives director, uh, Brooke Walker. Welcome to you both. Thank Thanks, you. Bill. Okay, so data. Here's the top-line takeaways on the home buying side. So during 2021, the center served more than 22,000 homebuyer client households. Our homestretch classroom course education, and that includes virtual classes these days, uh, was on par with last year. So we had 2,300 participants versus about 2,330 last year. One-on-one -on -one home buying advising was up 7.5%, and that was on the heels of a 16% increase in 2020. Uh, financial wellness counseling was down 31%. So if we drill a little bit more down here, among these clients, 91% would become first-time homebuyers upon purchase, and more than two in five would be the first generation of their family to own their own home, double the figure from last year. So, I mean, these numbers are, are really nice to see. 64% of clients we worked with were households of color, and 80%, 80, 80% had incomes at or below the area median income for their community of residents. So um, more along the lines of how we try to work with those with the greatest barriers, people with low incomes, and then households of color. Um, so, uh, Julie, I'm particularly struck by the advising and counseling numbers. So financial counseling was down 31%, and I'm thinking maybe that's because Things were really unstable there for many households in 2020. People came to us, and then in 2021, the need for that maybe was less. But that number for homebuyer advising amazes me. It's up 7.5% on the heels of a 16% increase the year before. What do you think that's telling us? I think, first of all, what it's telling us is that people are interested in buying homes, mm -hmm. <laughs> That uh, and particularly the households that we serve, so households of color. Mm -hmm. And lower income households are interested in uh, in participating in home ownership for the reasons that most of us are stability for our families, particularly on the heels of COVID at a time when, uh, you know, perhaps people were overcrowded in an apartment with everybody working from home and schooling from home. Um, so people are looking for that stability, a little bit more room, a little bit more flexibility and uh, the opportunity to create wealth for their families. So so that's first and foremost what that number tells me. Um, secondarily, I think it's every year we uh, we seem to get more recognition from our industry partners about the importance of the work that we do, which is preparing people for long-term homeownership, right. preparing people to sustain 
their investment. And um, I think partly the numbers show us that our real estate partners and our lending partners, as well as other community partners, are referring people to our services and Mm -hmm. spreading the word and supporting what we do to support home buyers. Good, good. Well, it it is exciting to watch. so uh, the other half of our work, of course, is foreclosure prevention, and it's you know has seen a large uptake in that, um, and at least making sure people know that service is available on the heels of COVID. So in 2021, we began working with 734 homeowner clients, and that is an increase of 20 percent over 2020. Still, nearly 20 percent less than before the pandemic. Twenties there. Um, we closed 494 of those open client cases during 2021, and the success rate there was 94%. 466 foreclosures were prevented. Um, and you've heard us say this before. According to government statistics, each foreclosure avoided saves the community about $80,000. So the math I love. So our work contributed to more than $37 million and avoided individual and community expenses and, for, and losses during 2021 alone. And since 2008, the center has helped to successfully prevent more than 39,000 foreclosures. Financial value there is about $3.1 billion. So uh, let's go back to you, Julie, uh, for comment on this. Brooke, we're going to talk to you in a minute about our legislative proposals, and that's, that's going to be cool, I promise. Uh, but Julie, what, what do those numbers uh, tell us? I'm thinking we're doing good work with those we connect with, but maybe we're not seeing the full picture of COVID's impact yet due to forbearance and mortgage relief and home help men. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think, I think first I'd like to stress nobody wins in a foreclosure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even the lending organization that may find themselves in a position of foreclosing on a home buyer. Uh, so the foreclosure prevention aspect of our work or the mortgage crisis intervention aspect of our work is extremely important to individual households, to future generations of that household, to neighboring properties, and to the community writ large. So we can't underestimate the importance of working with clients to keep them in their homes. And it is possible to stay in your home, even if um, you are facing uh, burdens on your payments. And that's what we learned during COVID. Um, As COVID continued to progress, primarily at the federal level, although somewhat at the state level as well, there were foreclosure moratoria that were instituted by regulators and the federal government. So depending on the kind of loan that a consumer had, uh, their, the, the lending institution could not start foreclosure proceedings. And in fact, there were um, prescriptive steps for what the lending institutions could do to um, help create forbearance plans. So you don't have to pay now, you can pay later. So it's it wasn't a forgiveness, mm-hmm. but it was a deferment of payments, if you will. And that had a real impact. I think that's one of the reasons we didn't see a significant spike in the number of people losing their homes like we did during the Great Recession. So I think that government and regulatory intervention was extremely important. It's also true that uh, states, cities, counties, received federal dollars to create 
homeowner support programs. Uh, and the homeownership center administered several of those programs. And in fact, we still have a couple that are running now. And the idea of those programs was if you were behind on your mortgage or other homeownership related expense, the funds could go to pay your debtors. Um, if you were eligible based on income, where you live, um, some of the money was geographic specific, um, and how you were impacted by COVID or whether you were impacted by COVID. So um, in Hennepin and Minneapolis, we, we ran a couple programs there and distributed close to $4 million in homeowner support that allowed people to stay in their homes and to come through the other side of COVID yeah. um, relatively financially healthy. And these, these programs were designed uh, such that you demonstrate that you can keep this going moving forward, more, more of our sustainability. Talk. That was definitely a factor. Right. Um, is this, is the payment or are the expenses yeah. um, supportable moving forward yeah. that that was a that was part of the work that we did with those programs as mm -hmm. well still have programs going in St. Paul and Dakota County yep. um so we are and we're serving clients so we are still yeah. seeing people impacted by covid who are struggling with their housing expenses and we're happy to be there to to right. provide that relief and home help men can help too right and that's statewide yep so the state's housing finance agency Minnesota Housing Finance uh, has a similar program that they launched earlier this year, I believe in May, and um, offers similar relief, and that is still going. So yeah. there's still opportunity to get in on that program too. And that's statewide. So yeah. regardless of where you live, no geographic restrictions. Right. Homehelpmen.org, if anybody is uh, interested in, in, in looking into that program. So for foreclosure prevention, that's gap work. That's that's preventing the gap, the homeownership gap from getting bigger. That's we say that sometimes and, and talk about that a little bit. Yeah. As we learned during the Great Recession, um, households of color were inordinately targeted by predatory lenders and other scams and schemes that put them in situations where their housing was precarious and they lost their homes at a far um, greater rate than white households. Now, some of there have been preventive measures put in place so that particular type of impact right. wasn't necessarily felt during COVID. But we do know that um, BIPOC households were uh, more impacted by the COVID pandemic. So we're watching that very carefully. And the work that we're doing, the relief work that we were doing, um, most of our outreach really targeted communities of color because we didn't want to see the same thing happen. Right. Because when we lose households of color, um, when they lose their homes, um, we as a community um, take a step backwards right. in our work to address the homeownership gap. So um, we can only we can only claim um, progress towards the homeownership gap if we're keeping people in their homes right, too. Right. And so I want to remind folks, in addition to these programs that might be able to help you financially, uh, the center offers foreclosure prevention uh, advising services. Those services are free. Never pay for foreclosure prevention help. It's free. Um, and, uh, again, if you want information on that, our website is hocmn.org and you can find everything you want there.
Okay, so um, a good summary look at our impact on the community during 2021. Now let's turn to you, Brooke. <laughs> <laughs> and let me tee, the, tee up this legislative initiative I've alluded to. So um, Julie talked about this a little bit. We know uh, that the racial homeownership gap in Minnesota remains one of the highest in the country. And with mortgage rates rising, home prices high, and inventory low, the likelihood of seeing any significant movement here without intervention is minimal. And let's talk about that. Why are we promoting intervention? The answer, uh, because the gap was deliberately created by intervention. Um, with, via tools such as racial covenants, redlining, building of freeways through existing minority neighborhoods. While these tools have largely been set aside at this point, their destructive impacts remain. Uh, most impactful is the wealth gap. Today, we see a median black household's wealth sitting at just 12.5% of the median white household's wealth. So that's about 24000 versus 189000 in 2019. So there's no stronger proof, in my mind anyways, that homeownership builds generational wealth than those statistics. So the center is trying to change this, not only at the grassroots level via our outreach and advising work in the community, but also with policymakers uh, at the state legislature. Brooke, why don't you bring us up to speed here? Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Bill. So I think we've long understood the value of down payment assistance. Um, and a couple of years ago, we started asking the question, you know, what really could it do to help close this racial homeownership gap? So we worked with um, the Minnesota Realtors and we commissioned a study that really demonstrated that substantial and targeted down payment assistance can help to close the racial homeownership gap. And I mean, as you know, this there's like there's no singular solution, but right. this is a key part of helping people get access to homeownership and particularly those who have been left out. So building upon this knowledge, um, we worked together again with the Minnesota Realtors, Twin Cities Habitat for Humanity, and many other um, industry partners to put together an advanced legislation last year. Um, and with the help of lawmakers introduced it, and we um, decided that we would work towards attempting to create a targeted first-generation homebuyer down payment assistance fund. And that these funds could be used to help people who do not historically have homeownership in their family for all the things that you mentioned, redlining and racial covenants, to really advance and give them the opportunity to become homeowners. So um, we approached um, the, the state lawmakers and asked for an investment of $170 million. And I think, um, you know, when you hear that number, it sounds big, uh, but this problem is big. And we estimated that that could help about 5,000 first generation home buyers get into home ownership. Um, and again, you know, a substantial and targeted approach. Um, we did have some success. We had a lot of interest. Um, it was favorably received. I think there's a real acknowledgement that Minnesota has been a place of resource, a place that um, down payment assistance programs have been long available but they haven't gotten the job done and the gap just continues to stay the same. And in many ways it has worsened. Um, and so this idea of how do we invest in a targeted way was heard well. Um, so unfortunately um, it didn't advance um, and it was, it was not put into law, um, but we're going to continue to do the work. Well, and we 
plan to go back again this year and make a similar ask. Yeah, good. And, and we had a lot of support for this and we had um, a lot of help in creating it. We didn't just create it ourselves. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, crafted with the input from a cross section of industry partners. Um, am I correct that three organizations that brought it forward was us in realtors and yep. twin and twin cities habitat. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, so we worked, to, we worked closely together, um, to, um, talk with legislatures uh -huh. and to bring this forward. And, um, to your point, we did not create this in a bubble. Right. We worked, you know, with lenders, we worked with nonprofit organizations that create down payment assistance and, um, put together this approach of this really, again, substantial targeted assistance. Um, and, you know, we believe that the majority of these funds would go to households who have been left out of homeownership. Um, just again, because um, we've seen, as the statistics you just shared, that the generational right. wealth is not there, and and they just don't come straight up from, demographics. Correct. They don't come from uh, homeownership, and they don't have uh, parents who can help with a down payment. Um, they don't have access to resource to get into homeownership. And as you said, the prices are continuing to go up. So the investment is needs to be more. And and that would be available to anyone who has that circumstance, no matter their race or anything else. Right. Correct. Yep, it is. And and you know, as we're doing this work and we're talking about um, policy and and investment, I think we understand that if we are going to move the dial in Minnesota, we mm -hmm. are among the worst in the country. Yeah. Um, that we're going to have to. It's going to have to be a big investment and it's going to have to be a targeted approach. And yeah. we have to find a way to reach those who have been left out. You know, that's interesting. I did. I wrote that down. If successful, we could help 5,000 with this fund. They would, it would help 5,000 BIPOC households. Uh, and it would move Minnesota from the fifth largest gap in the nation to the 11th largest gap in the right. nation. Right. So it's a start, just a start, but just it's certainly a not a cure all. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, when you're going to the legislature and you're asking for an investment like this of this magnitude, um, it's understood that we have to demonstrate some success. Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. um, getting funding like this could be a real game changer for those 5000 families. But it also becomes an opportunity like to a demonstrate right. a path forward. Right? right. So if we know that this works, this can be one tool right. to help us close the gap. And I think there's a really important point here that that everyone needs to understand, and that is down payment assistance is not necessarily free money. It is um, often structured as you know uh, tacked onto the end of the loan and paid from the proceeds when you sell, or it's you know tacked onto the loan and forgiven if you sell. But but you know. Um, it's, it's not just come in, ask for the money, you know, that kind of thing. Um, it's much more thoughtful than that. And, um, anyways, I just, I, th I just think that's always important for people to remember. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, there's lots of approaches and yeah. lots of different ways to do down payment assistance. And I think for us, the primary focus is reaching those who have been left out. Right. And those who, without this assistance, would not be able to achieve homeownership. Right. Um, and it's, you, it's like a, it's like a help. It's yeah. like a, it's helping you get over that hurdle. Yes. Well, and you know, um, 
I don't know about you, Bill, but a lot of people, you know, they get help for their first home from their parents, you know, $20,000, $15,000, or um, they had the opportunity where family could help pay for college. And mm-hmm. so they weren't, you know, coming out of college with a five, $600 loan. Right. So they were able to build savings. So lots of ways that um, families have benefited from um, generations owning homes. And, um, and when you have families who have not had that opportunity, right. Um, we have to think of ways to make it, make it accessible. I mean, you, you referenced the increase in homeownership prices. I think, you know, last year when we were putting this together, the statewide kind of median sale price was over 300,000. Mm-hmm. Well um, over, I think. So yep. to get into a home, you know, and to make it affordable, you know, again, we're talking about substantial investment, yeah. well over 5,000, 10,000. We're talking $30,000 right. is needed for many right. families to make this a reality and create and begin to, you know, create that generational wealth for, for right. their family. I think one of the things that was most exciting to me about this past um, session with this effort was the the support that we got from community endorsers. Yeah. So in addition to support from the realtors, we had support from Minnesota Mortgage Association, yeah. various cities and counties. I think we have a slide of that too, Gabe. And if you can throw so that it, up. it just demonstrates the the range of interests that support this idea of being intentional about how we are going to address um, the the prior ills that got us where we are. And the other thing that was really exciting to me was this was supported on both sides of the aisle. Mm -hmm. So we had support from both Republicans and Democrats in both housing committees. And we feel confident that when we go back this year, we'll continue to have that support. So we're looking forward to that. Well, I just think it's really exciting for us to be out there doing this kind of thing. And um, yeah, I mean, makes me, makes me happy to work here that we are um, uh, doing more than just, you know, what we can with our advising and stuff. We're actually trying to change policy and be intentional and and specific about these things. So great conversation. All right. Uh, if you are interested in exploring homeownership for your own household, you can take a home buying class and enlist the help of a homeownership advisor for free by going to hocmn.org slash buying a home. Our advisors and educators are embedded in organizations across the state, and they'll work with you to get you mortgage ready, educate you on the buying process from A to Z, and walk you through every step of the process. And what about the market? Uh, Interest rates too high? Not enough inventory? Sure. Here's what our advisors always say. Get ready now so you can be ready when the right opportunity presents itself. So there we go. I think that's it for this episode. Uh, I want to thank our guests today, Julie Guggen and Brooke Warden. Thanks so much for coming down. Walker. <laughs> Walker. Okay. You're right. It's all I right. I used to know a Brooke Warden. <laughs> it's okay. My goodness. Um, join, <laughs> join us next time when we'll talk about alternative mortgage finance options, specifically non-interest bearing financing for those with religious prohibitions in this area, and also individual taxpayer ID mortgages. Those are called ITIN mortgages for folks that don't have a social security number. These are two areas where we're seeing growing demand and we'll have experts in to tell us how these financing tools work. As always, in closing, I want to acknowledge our sponsors, Associated Bank, Midwest One Bank, Old National Bank, our sincere thanks to each of these organizations 
or their support. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next time.